When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy holidays, Spartan Nation. We're back. Welcome into episode 96 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion, Kyle Austin, and Matt Wenzel with you on Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. Not a whole lot going on last week between the basketball team being off and the lead up to early signing day. So uh, you may have noticed we took it off as well. But of course, we have plenty to discuss today, uh, just a few days before Christmas. Uh, Kyle, what's up? You got your shopping done? Uh, Shopping done, wrapping, not close to being done. Been putting that off. So got to get that done. Are you like good at rapping? Because I can't, I can't do it. I can't rap. I have to like call my sister in to help wrap my wife's presents. Like, so I, I don't think I'm good, but the annoying thing is that like, I'm better than my wife. I feel like my wife like is intentionally bad so that I end up doing more of it. I, I, I lost strategy. that battle. I should have, I should have intentionally been the worst rapper from the start, but um, it's too late now. So well, that's true. Uh, Matt, what's up? Are you, uh, are you hunkered down and, and ready for the big storm that's about to hit us? Uh, no. And that storm is probably going to affect, I have a uh, family coming over for Christmas tomorrow and I ordered, uh, let's see what three, five, seven pounds of smoked, uh, meat and, uh, six pounds of sides. And, uh, we'll see if the uh, people make it here or else I'm going to have a lot of leftovers, uh, for the weekend. I'll, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I say. I, and I thought you were going to say you were, you were planning on smoking it. I was envisioning you like no, no. smoking meat. No, no, no. I the smokers already. Oh, I don't even think I put it away. Yeah, I did. I put it away. But yeah, I only used it once this year. I was a complete bum. Well, we know what Matt's eating for the foreseeable future. Uh, uh, that's brave of you to host uh, Christmas. I have not. Well, it's, uh, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a smaller gathering before. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Well, on today's episode, as I said, we'll take a look at the early signing period, which, let's face it, has basically become the national signing day at this point. Whole bunch of new Spartans in the fold for Mel Tucker, so we'll get into that and look at some of the highlights of the class, which, of course, includes a lot of transfers these days as well. And, of course, we will chat about Michigan State basketball's win against Oakland last night, a game which featured Tom Izzo and Greg Campy in some very festive sweatshirts, and I think Kyle got to the bottom of that. So, you know, the scoop of the year, he can can tell us all about that when we get there uh appreciate everyone for listening here hope everyone has had a good holiday season and preparing for christmas and uh is ready for the storm that's about to hit you know for a while there it looked like we weren't going to have a white christmas and now we're getting way too much of the white so uh there you go you got your wish people but you can check out our work at mlive.com slash spartans uh you can rate and review the podcast and hit us up on twitter but very much appreciate you for listening So let's get into football here before we get to basketball signing day, always an exciting time for, you know, people within the program for fans. 
I'm not sure it's, it's as exciting for uh, the people who cover the team. It makes for a long day from early morning till late at night um, for people like Matt. But, um, you know, Michigan State, by all accounts and in, in ranking and rating services, did pretty well. Looks like another, you know, top 25 class somewhere in there that can obviously change. Um, but, you know, similar to what they had last year. So Mel continues to consolidate some talent. Um, and we can sort of talk about this in two parts. I think, Matt, we can start with the, the high school guys and then look at look at a bunch of the transfers that they also brought in. But let's start with high school. I, I mean, you can talk about whoever you want. But what stood out to me is is sort of, um, you know, the emphasis on the trenches, you know, on both sides of the ball on, on both the defensive line and the offensive line seemed to be an area uh, where the coaching staff was definitely hitting hard. Yeah, I, I agree, because if you look at the strength of the class, that's really where it is. You know, you got um, three four-star um, defensive linemen by Joba. Joba, I'm going to butcher so many names today. This is going to be awful. Uh, he's a top uh, 85 kid in the nation. You know, this is a guy that you got to imagine without without Brandon Jordan, I don't even know if this if Michigan State's on his radar. You know, you get a guy like this from Oklahoma, that's, you know, it's a tough battle to win. Andrew DePate, kind of a similar thing, guy from Iowa, another four-star, top 150 guy overall, and then Jalen Thompson from, from Cast Tech. So those are three pretty good guys to, to start with. And then on, on the other side of the ball, you have uh, four-star offensive tackle, Stanton Remill. Remill, if I'm going to butcher another name. Um, he's from Alabama, so that's a, that's a big addition. And then um, Keyshawn Blackstock, he's a, a JUCO guy from uh, Coffeville Community College, uh, Rate as the number one interior offensive uh, lineman in the, in the junior college class by 24-7 sports. And uh, Cole Dellinger uh, from uh, Clarkson High School, another four-star offensive lineman. So, yeah, the strength is up front. And, I mean, I think we, we can agree that Michigan State um, could use a little help uh, uh, there on both sides of the ball with the way they uh, struggled running the ball and, and defending the run uh, this season. Yeah, I mean, I, I was excited to see it because, you know, I, I've said it so many times and anybody who's followed Michigan State football over the years knows that when Michigan State has good teams, they're strong up front. I mean, they have offensive linemen that get drafted, you know, going back to Jack Conklin and the Allen brothers, um, you know, and the strong running game. That's when, you know, when D'Antonio was at his height, that was when Michigan State had its best teams and obviously run stopping and on the defensive side of the ball has up front has been a, a hallmark of the program for a long time. I mean, they, they weren't. What were their numbers last year, Matt? Were they this year in terms of run defense? They weren't terrible, I don't think, but uh, yeah, um, they obviously were, dealt with a lot of injuries. No, they were bad this year. They were. Um, they they were. went from like 15th. Well, I've got these numbers. They were 15th in the country last year in rushing defense at 117.2 yards per game. And this season, oh, Think I'd have Sorry, this I kind of put you on the spot there. No, that's okay. <laughs> they're outside the top hundred, if I remember okay. right. Okay, so that's. I mean, they're they're one hundred and one at one seventy eight point six. So, um, not good. I mean, and I think more or less you saw teams that were not good running teams, like Rutgers, like Indiana, that were among the nation's worst, that just pounded the ball on them, which I think helped offset the fact that their the yards per game they gave up passing went down this year because teams had a lot more. Um, ease running the ball so yeah they, they could uh, obviously improve their end and like talked about the injuries um suspensions were, were obviously a factor there late yeah and so there you go they're outside the top 100 they go five and seven i mean we know michigan state's best teams if you look at the guys a lot of the guys who d'antonio put in the nfl they're on that defensive line um and, and through the years they've had strong per performers there and 
both with the the transfers that I think we can talk about here in a second and the high school class, um, you know, definitely looks like they definitely improved in that area. So that's something to be excited about. Uh, if you look at quarterback, I, I think is notable here. Uh, Michigan State, you know, gets in the game late here. Um, they had Bo Edmondson from Texas committed. He decommits. Uh, obviously, there was Dante Moore rumors out there about the staff trying to, to flip him from Oregon. That doesn't end up happening. But there is an Oregon tie here, Matt. They end up flipping Sam uh, Leavitt. Is it Levitt or leave it? I, I don't, uh, I, I gotta get these. We gotta get these pronunciations down, but uh, he was committed to Washington state, number one player in Oregon. And so Oregon gets the number one uh, quarterback there from Michigan and we get and Michigan state gets the number one quarterback from Oregon, kind of a little bit of poetic justice there, but by all accounts, this Sam Levitt kid is a sort of a late riser has been shooting up the ranks here late, but this is two years in a row where Jay Johnson has uh, roped in a four-star quarterback, which is, is not something we saw uh, with the norm at Michigan state or especially in the D'Antonio years. Yeah. And I think I, there's some similarities in, in, in each of the last two guys, you know, with, with last cycle, um, you know, Caden Hauser was, was kind of a late riser. Um, they targeted, he was a three-star guy when they offered him. He was committed to Boise and they brought him to campus. They flipped him and, you know, he was, he was moving up the rankings and then he went to the elite 11 and, and climbed even higher and, you know, ends up being a four-star prospect and, you know, one of the better quarterbacks in the, in the class and, um, you know, leave it, love it, whatever, we're going to shuffle when it is um, kind of similar. He, he had a monster senior season, led his team to a state title. He, I, I forget the numbers through for 3000 yards. He's a dual threat guy, you know, he can, he can obviously move the ball uh, with his legs. Um, so he's climbing up the rankings. He was uh, committed to Washington State since uh, June or July, and Michigan identifies him late, offers, gets him to campus for an official visit, and flips him. So, you know, you know, there's a little parallel there. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, we still haven't seen, you know, what you see on tape in high school is great, you know, but, you know, you still have to wait to see what all of these guys, you know, regardless of position you do at the college level, some of these guys that are – Five-star guys never pan out, and you get some guys that are zero-star recruits that end up going to the NFL. So, um, you know, we'll see. But um, either way, it looks like a good job by them um, identifying talent um, late in the process, in this case, later than Hauser last year was a summer thing. This is, you know, six months down the road from, from that timeline. But, um, yeah, maybe kind of kind of a little bit like a Peyton Thorne situation, you know, Um although they didn't have a decommit that late in the class uh, in that cycle, but you know, Thorne was the guy who was committed to Western and they brought him to campus late and flipped him uh, just before the early signing day. And I, I'm not a recruiting expert by any means, but just sort of looking around on Twitter and sort of reading recruiting services from the West coast out there. A lot of people really high on this, on the quarterback here, Sam Lee, that they think he can make all the throws. Um, heard, heard some people out there talking about how this could end up being a huge steal for Michigan state. Similar to, if you look at the other skill guys, they brought in um, Brennan Parachek in state tight end. I, apparently Mel is planning on starting like seven tight ends uh, out there. We can talk about that a little bit more in the transfer part. Um, but then, you know, if you look at uh, Jalen Smith is a wide receiver out of the Houston area. I saw people comparing him to former Michigan state receiver, Devin Thomas, which kind of a one year flash in the pan for Michigan state fans, but had a very productive one year. So if that's the case, then I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Isaiah Johnson is another receiver um, out of the Richmond, Virginia area. I don't know a ton about him, but again, Michigan state wasn't targeting that many receivers in this cycle. So I think it tells you that if they're zeroing in on guys like this, then they obviously like them. And then Jalen Barber and he's listed as an athlete. I believe he's more of a running back, kind of like a speed gadget guy um, that you could maybe use in end arounds and whatnot. Just, just not to the short side. Um, but uh, what do you make of the, the skill guys they brought in? Because, you know, again, none of us are recruiting experts, but from what I can gather, 
Um, they seem like some guys that maybe, you know, have a higher ceiling than their ratings was, would suggest. I mean, you're going to say that, but these are some guys that have some abilities, at least very raw abilities. Yeah. Some of these guys, it's interesting. Like, uh, like Jalen Smith, you know, he was a guy, I think he was a quarterback primarily before he had like a position change and split it up, but he had, um, some interesting tape, you know, I was watching it, uh, you know, right when he, I think before he committed this, uh, he, he came in on Tuesday night, I believe. Um, and then, you know, obviously signed yesterday, but yeah, he versatile guy, you know, um, dynamic. I threw for, let's see, he threw for 452 yards and four touchdowns had 76 carries for 830 yards and 10 touchdowns and 34 catches for 695 yards and 10 touchdowns. So kind of a, you know, I don't know, interesting talent. Um, when we'll see, you know, I mean, we've Michigan State's taken guys like this in the past, sometimes work out, sometimes it hasn't. Um, and then, um, uh, Barber, a similar deal, I think he was primarily a wide receiver. He was at, was it, I think he was at Simi Valley before transferring to Chaminade Prep, um, where he primarily be a running back, and and he's real fast. Um, uh, Mel Tucker yesterday said, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not not wording it wrong, but he said he pretty much thinks he'll be the fastest guy on the field every week this season. So, you know, obviously could use more speed. I mean, you know, I think the lack, a little lack of that this year was um, evident um, offensively, you know, and, and, you know, so yeah, whatever you can do to, to add to that um, by all means go out and get it. Yeah. I mean, just look at a guy like Jalen Naylor. I mean, the impact that he can have, even when, even if he's not like going to be the primary receiver, just his field stretching ability, I think is something that maybe coming into this year, we didn't talk about enough because obviously we talked about Kenneth Walker and maybe we undercut, you know, how big of a losing Jalen Naylor was for opening up guys like, you know, Connor Hayward underneath or Jaden Reed. He didn't have to have all the focus. I mean, Keon Coleman obviously was drawing some stuff, but just having that speed threat definitely puts defenses uh, on the, on their heels. Speaking of Simi Valley, Sean Brown, a cornerback, they a three star. They they got out of there pretty late in the process. Eddie Pleasant um, from from Florida, they got out of there, and then Chance Rucker from Texas. So, I mean, corner, I think is still definitely a position of need on this team. I mean, I I'm not sure we know who the secondary is going to be coming into next year. I mean, they've got a lot of guys, but really some of these. Young, I mean, I know Chuck Brantley's had some good moments. Um, there's been some other young guys that have flashed, but the secondary is still an area of concern and it's pretty unsettled. I mean, I don't know if any of these freshmen are going to step in right away and have a chance to play, but um, you know, obviously an area where the, the staff felt like they had to add some more guys. Yeah. Mel even said that yesterday with the defense backs, he said they were primarily focused on, on cornerbacks this cycle. So um, that certainly appears um, what they were, were doing. And with the guy like uh, Sean Brown, um, six foot three. So you know, you get some length out there, and and we've seen that in the past at Michigan State. Um, Sometimes, you know, a guy like Justin Lane was, was big in, in, you know, using his length and his ability. Um, but, you know, we've seen other guys, you know, Amir Speed comes in last year, and everybody's talking about, he, was he 6'3", 6'4"? And, you know, I mean, he, he, he had an okay year, but, I mean, nothing like I don't think what people were expecting, you know, I would say about yeah. I'm just gonna so, say it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, obviously Brantley's going to be one of those guys, um, but pair, who is he, who are they going to pair with him? Uh, we'll see, you know, Dylan Tatum was, you know, guy who got pushed in there last year in a pinch just because they were really shorthanded true freshman made a start there in the, in the last game of the season, but uh, I don't know. We'll see, but either way, uh, yeah, their cornerback and secondary play overall could obviously use um, an improvement. 
And then if you look at the class overall, I mean, three kids from Michigan, two from California, two from Florida, two from Texas, and then one each from Alabama, Georgia, Iowa, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Virginia. We didn't see this under D'Antonio. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to me uh, how the, how the flaw, I mean, we've talked about this in the past, but it seems like Mel and his staff have much more of a national uh, sort of perspective when it comes to recruiting. It's just, it's interesting to see. I mean, I don't know what you can glean from it, but yeah, I, I well, kind of like that they're going all over the place. Yeah, and I mean, some of it is just naturally D'Antonio had a staff that he largely kept together for his tenure. And they, you know, so if you have that continuity, you have people that have the same ties. You know, you know, Ohio was obviously very big and, you know, Mark used that to his advantage. You know, he won a lot of a lot of battles there, you know, pulled a lot of underrated recruits out of there that became stars. And so guys just naturally have ties to where they've coached, where they grew up, where they, you know, whatever. And, you know, so when you have a change of the head coach and a change in, in his staff, um, you know, the ties are different. And, you know, when we saw early, you know, when, when Mel comes in, he brings in, you know, I can't even remember how many guys from, from his staff at Colorado. And, you know, they're, they're recruiting, you know, to the, to where they had been, you know, relationships that had previously established. And, you know, his staff just has different, you know, they've got ties to Louisiana now that they never, you know, didn't have. And you see them going down there, both, you know, in recruiting and, and through the portal and getting these guys. And it's just, it's just different. And then it's just, and then there's also this, the national approach. If you want to, if you want to play with the big boys, you know, you got to recruit nationally. And that means bringing in these five-star kids that have every offer they could possibly want. And, you know, you bring them to East Lansing and you pose with Bentleys and Ferraris and these flashy photo shoots. And that's all good, but you, you've got to actually win those battles. And that is extremely difficult to do. And as we've seen, you know, with guys that, you know, sure you finished, you were there at the end with a guy, you know, like Samson Okanola, you know, but in the end he goes to fix Miami, but you know, that's just, it's really hard to do, obviously. And that's just part of what they've done is recruit nationally. And, and they, they've, they've obviously had some success in some areas. They, the program wouldn't have previously, um, but it's still, it's a, you know, very difficult and, you know, NIL and everything just complicates matters. Look at the transfers. There's 11 of them in there right now. There's a, a couple more that have been, I guess, announced on social media, but I guess aren't fully official yet because Mel couldn't really talk about them, but they're mostly kids from Michigan that are coming back home. But the the one that caught news yesterday is uh, Tunisia Adelaide. I'm going with that. It is uh, Tunisi Udele, I think. Tunisi Udele? Yeah. Even Mel butchered okay. that one yesterday and joked about <laughs> yeah. it. So not alone. Well, he's here. a former five-star though, and he's – uh, spent a couple years at Texas A&M, and uh, he was one of the biggest guys in the portal, Michigan State and Miami, reportedly going back and forth for him. Uh, but, you know, this is a guy who should step in right away, I think, and play for Michigan State, considering the losses on the defensive line. And he leads sort of, um, I would guess, a revamped defensive line. You got Jared Jackson transfer from uh, uh, Florida State coming in there, and then also Dre Butler uh, by way of Liberty former four-star who originally committed to Auburn. So addressing the uh, the departures on the defensive line through the portal as well. And, I, you know, with portal guys, they seem more likely than the freshmen to be impact players right away. Yeah, you know, everybody's different. You never know. Um, but, you know, there is clearly a difference when you, just when you see, like, if you take a grad transfer who's spent six years in college versus signing some 17-year-old kid, you know, I mean, there's – it's just obvious. But – um, that doesn't mean that the 17-year-old kid won't come in and outperform uh, the grad transfer, you know. But, 
yeah, I mean, I think he uh, had delay. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, he, he, yeah, he's the, he's the top recruit that, or I'm sorry, top transfer portal guy that they landed, obviously, you know, um, he was a former top 40 overall recruit. Um, so, but his production college has been limited. So, you know, we don't really know, you know, and, and he steps in, he's, so he's listed at what, six four two ninety. you know, I guess how, how is Michigan state going to use them? Are they use them primarily at the tackle spot, you know, or, you know, which would seem like, or they move them out to end. You know, we saw that late this season when Michigan state was essentially using four defensive tackles because um, they were so shorthanded at end, but um yeah, I mean, they're deep at tackle, you know. Uh, it seems like now, especially with the – what so they got basically three guys from the portal that can play the position. You know, you lose Hunt um, – well, you lose Slade uh, to the draft. You lose Hunt and Mallory to the portal, but you bring back um, Barrow, um, Harmon, uh, Van Sumeren, and um, I'm blanking on another one. Either way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of it, but either Me way, they're, they are uh, – you know, they should be fine in, in the middle. You know, I think with, with the additions they got from the portal and all that, they, they'll be, they'll be good. And Chris Bogle is coming back too, right? We got that. One. That's what, that's what Mel said yesterday. So, um, I mean, technically, cause he only played in four years or four uh, games a season before getting uh, hurt. I mean, he could redshirt for that year and still have, so he could technically have two seasons of eligibility left, but um, yeah, Mel said he, he thinks he's, he believes he's coming back as well as, uh, left guard JD Plain and um, center Nick Samak, which would be big for the offensive line. What's with all the transfer portal tight ends, man? Are we are we getting going to get a Harbaugh situation here where there's going to be like six of them on the field, or what, what, what's going on here? I have, Malik I, Carr, I, you would think, was going to be the starter here. I know you need. Yeah, and I, I would still say lean in that direction, but you know, it's a thing where blocking. You know, I mean, his strength is get him the ball. You know, get him in the open field, get him the ball, and let him run with it. You know. Um, uh, so I think that, you know, um, so three portal tight ends, um, or well, one Jalen Franklin from Wisconsin, who has not been officially announced yet. It's more just like a paperwork thing and, and they'll announce him soon. Um, but the, the veteran, the one I'm looking for is a uh, tiny hopper from Boise state. Mel talked about him yesterday and said, you know, um, praised his value in blocking and special teams. And I, so I think that's, you know, not that he can't catch the ball, but um, you know, I think that's where you'll see maybe he can take over to maybe more of a Daniel Barker type of role or Tyler Hunt role. I, I don't know. We'll see, but uh, yeah, three tight ends from the portal. I, I did not expect uh, that to be the case. <laughs> Two running backs as well. Uh, Jaron Mangum. He's a guy who's, who's been around. He was at Colorado and then South Florida. Obviously his brother Jaden's on the team. And then um, um, Nathan Carter, who was, UConn, I mean, I know when you hear UConn football, people don't usually get too excited, but uh, as, as someone who's actually seen some of his tape, I mean, Nathan Carter, he was productive there. I mean, last year before he dealt with some injuries, Michigan State, you know, we don't really know about Elijah Collins. Obviously, Berger is still there. Um, and, you know, there's some younger guys on the roster as well. Do you expect Nathan Carter? I mean, he would seem to be the one who's more likely to be in the mix here instead of Mangum. But um, I, I found it interesting that, you know, they went out and got a couple more running backs. Yeah, I mean, Carter looks like he'd fit more the um, Jarek Broussard kind of role. You know, he's a little smaller. He's like 5'9", 200 pounds or something like that. Um, 5'10", 190 is what he's listed at. So, but yeah, he was productive at, at UConn. He led them in rushing last year. And what did he run for, like 190 yards or whatever it was in the season opener against Utah State this year? So, 
I mean, the guy obviously can be productive. Um, I would expect Berger still to be the starter um, and then some sort of mixture of um, whether like, this will, it, it depends if Collins comes back, but you know, you, you would have um, if, is Harold Joyner coming back. Is he still even going to be a running back if he is back? You know, and then you've got uh, Davion, uh, Davion Prim and, and um, Jordan, Jordan Simmons. Simmons and yeah. so, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it would be some sort of running back by committee situation. Um and then uh, with Mangum, he Mel had mentioned thinks he can contribute in a lot of ways, and especially in uh, short yardage situations because he's a he's a bigger guy. So, um, yeah, I, I would expect it to be uh, you know another season with a lot of split carries, unless uh, Nathan Carter ends up being uh, Kenneth Walker. <laughs> uh, also, didn't mention Jordan Hall, four star linebacker with the freshman uh, from mm-hmm. Florida. I mean, he's the only linebacker in the cycle, so. I mean, Michigan State, I think, has some depth at linebacker, obviously, assuming some of the assuming guys who flirted with the portal in the past don't go back into it. But uh, I think we would expect Ma to have a little more playing time this year, um, Ben Van Summeren, and then obviously Cal Halliday. Um, so, well, Van, know, Sumeran, Van Sumeran left. He's, he's going. Oh, yeah. To sorry. The, sorry. I was no, thinking of a, Alex for some reason. He's a no, no, that, that's OK. No, I mean, I, the question is, is, is will, will Winman be back? Will Brule be back? You know, neither of those guys have stated publicly what they're going to do. Um, and Mel, you know, didn't disclose that either. Yesterday, he said some guys are still deciding. But so, I mean, obviously, Halliday will be back. That's that's key. Um, but, yeah, we're waiting to hear about um, Winman and, and uh, Brule. And, I mean, even if Winman comes back, do you still use him at linebacker? You, you know, play with him at defensive end again? I don't know. We'll see. But, um, you know, Ma and then, you know, you get Jordan Hall, who um, – Mel spoke highly of as being, you know, a field general. I think he was a three-time captain at, at IMG, if I'm not mistaken. The only so, one. In history, yeah, so apparently. well well thought after uh, guy. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, top 200 linebacker from Florida, that's, uh, that's pretty big for uh, the program to land. Overall, though, I think we're seeing what Mel Tucker needed to do. I mean, at Michigan State, we knew that there was needed a talent influx uh, after, you know, the, the Antonio guys left. And, um, you know, this is two classes in a row now where he's sort of stacked up a top 25 talent. If he can do it again next year, it's off to a good start. So, I mean, this is what Michigan State's going to have to do to compete. Real quickly before we get to basketball, Mel also did say he's not planning on any staff changes, which I'm not sure is surprising for people like us. And it could still happen. Like we saw the Tillman news happen, you know, after signing day last year. But I mean, I, I don't, I, I didn't expect him to come out on signing day and say, oh yeah, we're canning this guy and this guy. But uh, if they do stand pat, I know a lot of that will rub a lot of fans the wrong way after a five and seven year, but I think it makes sense to me. I mean, this staff just pulled in another good recruiting class. Yeah. I mean, as far as the staff thing, I mean, what do you, the question is a fair question, but what do you expect, you know, what do you expect him to say on signing day? Well, I'm probably going to get rid of three or four of my assistants, you know, and these guys are performing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, these guys out of here. <laughs> would I be shocked if if Mel didn't make any changes before next season? No. Would I be surprised if he made a couple? No, you know, no, I wouldn't. He's made at least, there's been at least one change on his staff every year he's been there. There was, you know, so uh, Trestle left after the first season um, to be the DC at Cincy. And then uh, there were three changes after, after last year. So yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, but everybody, all the assistants are under contract. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's just the way it is. And uh, but I'm sorry, you asked about the the class overall. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, given, you know, last year when you're on your way to 11 and two, you know, you can you can see the success and, and know that helps in recruiting and backing it up when you're coming off of five and seven. That's that's tough. So you you got to have some good, you know, you're. 
you need your head coach and his assistants to be good recruiters and good talent evaluators. And, you know, Michigan State hasn't put together back-to-back top 30 classes since uh, 15, 16. So, um, and right now they're in a position to do that. Obviously, again, long way to go. Um, but, you know, to have what is right now listed by 24-7 Sports as the number 25 class in the country and to have that be 25th with only 15 players in it is notable. So um, the average player rating is, is better than it was a year ago. So um, yeah, yeah. Nine, five stars. um, That's more than they had in the last three cycles combined and the most they've had in a class since uh, 2016. So um, there's, there's obviously some talent coming in. Um, And anything else on basketball or uh, football or are we good to move on over? No, I think, I think we're, we're good. All right, cool. Uh, we'll bring in Kyle here then. I uh, hope you enjoyed your sandwich there, Kyle. But uh, Michigan State, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. I'm kind of hungry right now. My stomach is grumbling. But uh, Michigan State comes off a, a lengthy layoff here. I mean, the, the December schedule compared to the November schedule is pretty ridiculous. Uh, just I wouldn't say it was a, a great performance, Kyle. Definitely looked rusty there in the first half. They come out at the start of the second half and play a pretty good stretch of basketball, but then it gets a little bit sketchy again there in the middle part of the half. But Oakland is not a very good basketball team this year, and Michigan State really didn't have to play their best to win this game. Um, I don't know what Izzo's mood was like after the game. He looked a little angry there on the sideline despite his attire. Um, but uh, What did you make of this game uh, coming out, coming back from a long layoff? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a there was like a hope that you know you get ten days of practice, so you're gonna figure everything out and and look like uh, well, I don't want to say the Golden State Warriors because they're not very good right now, but look like uh, look like world beaters after having that much practice. But but the fact is that you take that much time off from games, uh, you're gonna have some rust, and I think that's what we saw um, in the first half. And and it was also a weird first half, like from personnel, they were down to six scholarship players at one point because. Um, he benched Pierre Brooks, which we can talk about wasn't a big deal, but Pierre Brooks didn't play a half. Joey Hauser took a shot in the mouth. Um, A.J. Hogard got in foul trouble. So, um, you know, they, they had a Carson Cooper, Mighty Sissoko lineup in there at one point, if you caught it. Um, would not have had that on my bingo, on my bingo card um, for this season. So, I mean, there was some there was just weird stuff going on in the first half, and I think they were rusty, but... Um, yeah, I, I thought the first five to eight minutes of the second half, they were pretty lights out. They looked about as good as they have all year making shots. And uh, there were open shots to be had because uh, Oakland uh, wasn't playing a ton of defense. Um, and then they're, they're without uh, their best player, I should say, Jalen Moore. I mean, if they get healthy, they could be better. But for right now, yeah, I mean, a good a good team to play after uh, a 10-day layoff because Michigan State had some rust, and I think a good team could have taken advantage of that, but uh, it didn't happen last night. Pierre was late. Is that what it is? Everyone's like, why the heck isn't Pierre Brooks playing? So yeah, they just said he was late. Uh, it sounded like it was multiple. He spoke in the plural. So he was late once or twice, sits for a half, played 12 minutes in the second half. So, um, you know, you, you can do that sort of stuff against Oakland, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Well, it's Tom Izzo. I mean, he's big on accountability. He always has yeah. been. And, you know, he likes to hold people accountable and, 
that's how it was. But yeah, when it was like Jason Witten, Whitens, and uh, you had Holloman out there with like Carson Cooper and Mati, mm-hmm. I'm like, who's gonna score? Like, who's gonna score in this lineup? Like, well, and it was actually an issue for a while because they're playing a zone, and you gotta have shooters out there for a zone. And some of those lineups, it's like they had like one shooter out there. So, um, and and Oakland plays a funky zone that's kind of hard to figure out. So it was just kind of a perfect storm in the first half. I know that there were a lot, there's a lot of hand wringing, but. Um, it would have been surprising not to see them figure it out. And and they did. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was good to see Jay Nakins hit some shots. He's at like eight of 12 in the last two games. Like he's really shooting well. Um, I asked Israel about him afterwards and he kind of made the point that, you know, he's shooting well, but he, he doesn't have that like explosiveness yet. Like they don't think he's all the way back yet. Uh, he's not getting to the rim. We haven't seen a highlight reel dunk from him. Um, but I, I think, I think everybody, including Jaden, is satisfied with the progress. I mean, everyone would have liked him to show up the first game and look like his old self. But it's it's a process, and he's playing a little more minutes every time. Um, I think he scored a little bit more points every game. He gets a little bit more back. But if he can um, – they get a little bit more time off now. They'll get Buffalo. They'll get Nebraska. Um, I think – I think it's kind of lining up for him to to kind of be fully back to himself when they they get these big games going, um, starting with Michigan there in early January, and um, they're still really excited about you know him being able to look like he did this summer. Yeah, uh, fifteen points, uh, five of eight shooting. He did have the dunk against Villanova, but that was pre injury, so he injured um, it like right after that, ironically. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, that was that was a yeah. crazy dunk. I don't know if yeah. we had a chance to talk about it, but. I, I mean, I don't want to make too much about an Oakland game. The depth still concerns me for this team, though, Kyle, especially without Malik Hall, because I don't know. They're just not getting a lot from their from the guys outside their starters. I mean, Jackson Kohler is still, I think, adjusting to the physicality of playing Division One basketball. He's leaving a lot of his shots short. I mean, we see his abilities like we see his post moves, but he's leaving so many shots short His rebounding. He's still doing the pop it up in the air thing instead of just going up strong and grabbing it. I think that will come with time. But. They're just really not getting a lot from him. Trey Holloman doesn't really hurt you, but he doesn't really give you any offense. Same thing with Jason Whitens. It's just the room for the margin for error is just so slim, especially without Malik Hall in the lineup. The counter to that, I would say, is that usually at this time of year, we're all freaking out about how many players they're playing and talking about they got to cut down. They're playing 12. You know, they got to be playing a few. Like I, I think there's benefits to right now. They, to me, they have a very clear top three. Um, of Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, Joey Hauser. And maybe that expands somewhat as Jade Nakins and Malik Hall get back. But um, I, I think there's value in having three guys. And yeah, there's times they need more depth. Um, you can certainly convince me that they need a little bit more talented center um, than they have. But um, overall, like I, I, I just think about those last two teams that were just a big kind of collection of very similar guys and nobody really rising up and and there were a lot of issues with that having six or seven similarly talented guys like I I think this team isn't as deep but I think having three guys at this point who have really kind of risen above the rest um and look a little bit better um I I think that's um I, I think the team is better for having that so yeah they get foul trouble they get injuries they're going to be in trouble quicker than they have been in the past but I think there's a benefit to playing this this way too. 
You know what they should do? They should go out and try and get the number one big man in America and get him to come to join the team next year. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> so, no. Uh, talent coming in the front court, Kyle. That's right. my point there. <laughs> so, and, uh, next and, year's going to be fun. Quick, I mean, part of the reason they didn't get a guy is because, like, you would have had to do it while you were trying to get Xavier Booker. So, if, if you were trying to get a multi-year guy, then maybe you don't get Xavier Booker. So, you could see what they're in right now is part of the price for getting a guy like Xavier Booker and kind of clear the decks for him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of legitimacy to that. And Tom is fear. I mean, just going with the shorter roster in general, I think he's very conscious of, I don't want to lose guys to the portal. Right. I just want to make sure my guys are happy and, you know, and we'll see. It, it remains to be seen how it's going to work out. There's a lot of basketball to play in this season. Uh, a couple more things. Malik Hall's timetable remains the same. And no changes there, really. Yeah, no setbacks, which is, which is what you want to hear. Um, I he's worked out. He hasn't practiced. That wasn't totally clear uh, when we talked to Israel earlier this week. But he has done like shooting and he's done some drill work. Um, and but he hasn't totally practiced. Um, so they're looking at Buffalo, which is December thirtieth, to get him back and kind of do that ten to fifteen minute thing. Um, and then and then kind of go from there. But. Um, this was the timeline when he originally heard it, um, and and nothing could change. And that's really all you want to hear at this point, right? I mean, no mm-hmm. setbacks, and, and that's been the case for him. So, um, and Bruce Weber was talking about uh, that same thing on the BTN broadcast last night about how he has been shooting around, has been sort of going through walkthroughs, participating in in practice, but just not really full on practicing yet. So, uh, I mean, it, he's just so key for this team, Kyle, because he does a little bit of everything. You know, I would say he does everything above average, really. You know, he's not like a superstar, but rebounding, defense, shooting, uh, shot creation, even passing. I mean, he, he does everything above average. And really, he's like the one guy on the team that does everything. So it's um, it's funny. Greg Campy was uh, was talking and he was he was kind of making the case. They played a good 17 minutes. If they could have kept playing, they could have made it a game. And it was kind of playing things up and taking the rosy view of things. And then he stopped and he's like, and I know that Mike Hall wasn't playing. And if Mike Hall would have played it would have been a nightmare for us because guys like that, um, you know, we can't defend guys like that. And we basically admitting like, you know, we were, I mean, they weren't, they ended up being 13 points, you know, this was not like a total blowout, but the only reason we could be kind of even within striking distance is because he wasn't playing. And Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of Oakland's in the, in the big 10, but Malik Hall is a matchup problem for some people because he's versatile. You know, he can post up, you know, how many times have we seen him post up against a smaller guy, do that turnaround shoot over him. Um, He's going to be a problem for guys. And, you know, we just talked about Jade Nakins and that kind of process for coming back. That That's what we'll be going through with Malik Hall. And you're hoping that by, you know, when Michigan comes around, um, I, I don't even know what they got after that. Yeah, you're Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, January 7th through the 13th. Um, you want Malik Hall. I don't I mean, he's not going to be 100%, but you want him some sort of form of himself by then. I think that's what you're hoping for if you're a Michigan State fan. And he's such a versatile defender too. He can defend a lot of guys from different sizes. So, I mean, that's, that's my biggest thing with him is he, he gets them more organized on defense and just makes Michigan state a tougher team uh, in my opinion. And then well, last thing you mentioned, Greg Campy, I know he, he was sort of the mastermind of the, the ugly sweater uh, on the sideline stuff. He had the Grinch shirt on and Izzo was, you know, angry elf memes are all over the internet. Now Uh, you got the scoop on this though, right? Like how this, how this came together, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I don't know if I got a full explanation. I mean, they, they both said that like, so, so as you mentioned, like this has been Greg's thing for forever. He'd always does this for a game. Um, but you know, he, he called Tom and said, you know, you should do it too. And 
presumably, I mean, they've always played this time of year. Presumably, he's asked before over the last 20 years. And for whatever reason, Izzo this year said, yeah, let's do it. Uh, why this year Tom decided to to do so, I don't know. He didn't really explain. But, um, <laughs> yeah, um, Greg said that, like, he didn't really believe he'd do it until he um, showed up um, in warm-ups wearing it. Greg was prepared to take go back to the locker room and take his off, so he, he wasn't the only one wearing one. Um, but <laughs> it was fun. I mean, I, I'll tell you the um, that um, – that gift from the movie elf um yeah. the one where he's saying he's an angry elf that yeah. must have been Call that must have been in my me- time. that must have <laughs> been in my mentions 30 times last night and on my oh. timeline 100 more times i mean i would say tom walked right into that one but i'm sure he hasn't seen the movie and has no idea of the reference so he doesn't affect him at all <laughs> he's definitely not on twitter seeing memes either Kyle. <laughs> no but he he kind of set himself up perfectly for that joke well yeah and he was he was getting, I mean, he's always yelling on the sideline, but there was a couple times I saw him. He called that timeout to get into Madi that one time mm-hmm. for, for not stepping out on the shooter. And he was mad at that. I mean, he was freaking out. I'm just in that elf sweatshirt. I couldn't handle it. And, and then we he, hear, he had to get a technical wearing the elf sweatshirt. That was perfect. I know. <laughs> yeah, but that was a little weird technical there. That was a little soft. It was, a, it was a, a weird. So these non-conference games, you get weird refs um, that don't know them as well. And some of them are just quick with that. You know, that stuff doesn't happen in big 10 games, but no, yeah. one, no one really cared. And we should mention Rocky Watts. I mean, he didn't have the best game, but obviously coming back to the Breslin and playing uh, good job by the fans, though, giving him a good reception. Yeah, that's, um, you know, Israel would kind of asked for that earlier in the week. And um, just to understand that there was no ill will anywhere towards Rocket. Um, those Israel and Rocket keep in touch. Players still like him. You know, be- people seem to think that there's animosity in transfers. And I, I think it's pretty rare that there is. Usually a guy just... Needs a new place to go. Um, that was the case with Rocket. He was hurt a lot last year. Um, he had a couple different. He had a hip for a while and, and something else. And I think he's still kind of getting back to his old self from that. But you know, I'm I'm hoping that we get to see um, at some point um, Rocket as you. I mean, shoot, man, you I don't know if you remember his high school videos. I mean, if we could see any. Oh, I was of so that, excited. I if was we so could see any form of that again, I mean, that that would be fun to watch. Yeah, I was so pumped. I mean, and we saw it even in the in the what was it the COVID year when, you know, uh, yeah, it was the COVID year. I mean, he had some huge performances down the stretch. To- the COVID year. And well, really the year before that, like if you remember, well, yeah, it was the, so you're talking about the COVID year when the, in 1920, had- when the tournament got canceled. Yeah. Well, both it's, actually, well, both really, had- but the year the tournament got canceled in 20, he averaged like 17 a game for the last five. And that's when Michigan mm-hmm. state made that crazy comeback. Um, and want to share the Big Ten title, um, yeah. winning five straight. I think Maryland lost a couple. Um, I mean, it was like him and Cassius, and and I think playing playing alongside Cassius helps everybody a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, he he had his moments, but got hurt. Um, you know, they transitioned him to point guard when I mean, we we've covered all this. They transitioned yeah. him to point yeah. guard during a COVID year. It didn't work well for anybody, but um, hope for the best for Rocket. Um, it was fun to see him back at, at Bryce one the other night. For sure. And Greg Campy, Campy remains awesome. <laughs> Campy's the best. Well, it's it's funny because so my seat got moved this year. I used to sit um, along the north baseline, which is by the home bench. And now I sit by the south baseline. So usually, I mean, the, the nice thing about my old seat is I could look right in the Michigan State bench. I could I couldn't hear a whole lot, but I could at least lip read some of Izzo and get a sense of what was going on. So it's been a little different not seeing that. But sitting a couple feet, honestly, from from Greg Campy during a game was fantastic. I probably can't say most of what he said, um, but 
man, the guy's colorful. He's got a hundred lines. I mean, everything he's like incredulous about everything throughout the entire game for a full 40 minutes. Um, uh, he's, uh, I'm not sure (laughs) he'd be, he'd be an experience to play for, but, uh, to witness, watch a game, uh, is is pretty good entertainment. I get some Mike Leach vibes from Greg camp. Yes. That's a good comparison. RIP Mike Leach. Yeah. That's, that's a good comparison. (laughs) <laughs> all right well that's gonna do it for today's episode of uh, m live spartan confidential podcast we appreciate everyone for listening uh we'll be um i think back next week but we i'm not sure we'll have a ton to talk about but we'll see how it goes if there's news we'll we'll get on it if not well maybe we'll take another break because michigan state doesn't play again until the 30th um and signing days in the rear view now and uh, unfortunately no bowl game to talk about but appreciate everyone for listening uh we'll obviously still have stories up at mlive.com slash spartans that you can check out Hope everyone has a good uh, Christmas or uh, Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever you celebrate. Happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas, Kyle. Have a good time with the kids uh, under the tree there. uh, Wrapping those presents. Uh, That should be fun for you. Um, But yeah, Kyle Austin and Matt took off, but we'll say for Matt Wenzel, I'm Brandon Champion. Thank you once again for listening to M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time and go green.